Hey guys, welcome to episode 16 of the Hunt Sessions podcast. In this episode, Nico and I sit down together and break down our arrow builds for the 2019 season. Throughout the episode, we describe each element of our arrow builds and explain some of the reasons why we chose them. You'll notice that Nico and I have very different setups and they work for us. Please keep in mind that we're covering a couple of different ways to build an arrow, but never saying that there is one way to do it. We had some fun getting into a little scientific and, well, not so scientific explanations. If you prefer to watch the video version of this episode, you can do so by going to thehunt.video slash watch. This will take you directly to our YouTube page where all of our hunting videos are located. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to The Hunt Sessions, a podcast series brought to you by the Bowhunter Podcast and The Hunt YouTube Series where we talk everything hunting. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Hunt. Uh, this is Jan Segato sitting down with me. He uh, was running the Bowhunter podcast, and you want to talk a little bit about that real quick? So we started the Bowhunter podcast back in 2019. I believe it was May Ran it through September till uh, 2019 white deer season started here in Illinois and kind of got busy with that. So put it on hold, got with a new team, Nico, Drew, Aaron, we're doing the hunt uh, YouTube series and we've decided to bring that to audio version as well as some video along with it. And uh, we call it the hunt sessions. So this is uh, the beginning of that that you're seeing now. We're going to go into uh, if you're listening to this or watching this, you've already heard that we've made the transition and we appreciate you guys watching. So I'm real excited we got going on. Uh, Nico's got some pretty cool stuff lined up for us today. This is more his subject matter, so I'm kind of his guest playing co-host, and he's going to take the lead. Right on. So we're going to talk about arrow setups this year. Both Jan and I were able to take some stud bucks this year, but our archery setup like differs a lot. So we're going to sit down and kind of talk about arrow build and stuff like that because uh, whenever you've got your rifle and your rifle hunting, you got all your different bullet builds. Well, your archery hunting, to me, the most important thing is your arrow because that's actually what's doing the killing. And um, feel free to, if you got any questions or whatever. Oh, yeah, I'll jump in whenever I see fit. But um, so first thing I want to talk about is weight. And what a lot of people are going to nowadays is a really fast arrow, really light. And that's not necessarily bad with a lot of today's modern archery. But as you move to something like a traditional bow and stuff like that on lower poundages, what you actually see is people shooting up to higher weights. And the reason for that is, is whenever you factor in your, uh, like what type of penetration you get, your kinetic energy, that's going to be your mass times your velocity. And your velocity is already the bigger number and your mass is your smaller number. So if you can double one of those numbers in the equation, you're doubling your output, right? Well, you're not going to double 300 feet per second on a bow. Right. But you can knock that down by, you know, 20 feet per second, be shooting like 280, and you can double that, you know, your how much your arrow weighs, and you're getting twice the amount of kinetic energy, you know. Yep. But, and then... Still, a lot of people are worried about how soon that... I'm going to pause you right there because you just used a lot of science lingo. And for those that kind of want it in layman's terms like me, um, Nico took a doe this past season and it looked like it got hit by a truck. 
So <laughs> that's basically what he's saying. You know, you put the weight in these arrows and use them coming with it out of the bow and you're creating enough mass just to smack a deer or whatever it is you're hunting. And it's going to, it's going to, the penetration is going to be there, but that impact is just something incredible to watch. So, uh, yeah, like I said, he, he shot a doe. And if you've seen that video, uh, it basically looks like by a truck. So, and, but I'm shooting like a 560 grain arrow, you know, it, it is on a little bit heavier side. I'm shooting RPM 360. So it already started off with a higher IBO speed. You're never going to get true IBO speed. It would take a streak of grease lightning to get your bow to shoot whatever the factory put on that. Right, number, the rating, yeah. You know, but so I was already kind of starting at the top, but um, shooting a lighter, faster arrow is still completely acceptable on game like whitetail and lower. But when you start moving up into things a little bit bigger than whitetail, um, especially if you're going to shoot a mechanical you're going to want to have a little bit more mass to carry that kinetic energy over to actually killing the animal. Cause it's all about penetration in the end. Right. You know? So, um, I know you've got like some different things broke down here on each part of the arrow and each, uh, I guess specific thing that it delivers mm -hmm. through the process. I think the best way to explain this would be to just kind of go through your arrow. Yeah. Um, Start so, start with the uh, broadhead, kind of go all the way down through the knock. Okay, so I'm shooting a 200 grain Valkyrie archery broadhead. It is a three blade broadhead, A2 tool steel. Um, it does have a center pin. The pin comes down about yay far into the um, arrow, and that's to reinforce everything because when these hit, they uh, they grab. And the penetration on these is insane, but you're also, there's a lot of uh, kinetic energy and momentum stored up in these in the front half of the arrow. So if they hit and there's any torsion in your arrow, the rest of your arrow, there's That's a lot of problems snap. of them snapping. Yeah. And when they fail, typically they fail in this first inch or so of the arrow. So they've got a nice little collar and a uh, center pin in there. So this is all super reinforced, very stout. The top inch and a half, three inches if you include the broadhead or just, it's just a solid piece of equipment. Um, then I move to the rain shaft. These are um, match, what you would consider match grade, 0 0.001 tolerance and 250 spine. When you're shooting a really heavy tip like that, you've got to have a heavier spine to keep up with that. Um, on the back side, I'm shooting uh, four fletched. These are the new bow hunting or bowing um, 1.4 inch veins. They're a quarter of an or two two quarters. Yeah, they're half an inch. They're a half an inch tall by a 1.4 inches long. Really, really quiet. And we'll talk more about that. And then I'm also shooting a uh, reflective wrap, just a general reflective wrap. So I can't I can't afford to shoot the light knocks that go with to fit these shafts. So I'm shooting a reflective wrap, which pretty much does does the same. Yep. And your knock? Oh, that's just the standard G knock that comes on them. Gotcha. It's just a standard knock. So for me, I am actually shooting a uh, Dirt Nap Gear Broadhead. I don't know if you've heard of the company. I actually kind of discovered them on Instagram. Um, had some guys that I've had on the podcast before. And then the communities that I started to get into uh, swearing by these. In the past, I shot a mechanical broadhead. Um, 
I had my fair share of successes and failures with mechanicals. I had believed a few times that they didn't open or, or different reasons. And I, I, you know, I never did find those deer to be able to determine exactly what happened. But, uh, 2019 season, I decided I was going to go with a, a fixed head. I'm not carrying the same mass and weight that Nico's carrying. Um, this is just your standard, uh, 100 grain broadhead and it's got a one inch cut with some, I believe half inch bleeders moving on down to the arrow shaft. I'm going with the carbon express Maxima Hunter. Previously I was shooting the Hunter express Maxima reds, great arrow. Uh, I was having trouble finding them locally. Went with the Hunter. It's basically the same arrow, not many differences. Uh, it has a dual spine, uh, with the weight forward. So if I understand correctly, it's a little bit stiffer in the front, a lot more rigid, uh, weights in the front of the arrow. And then it kind of tapers off as far as weight goes in the back. Um, got some custom wraps on here, bow hunter wraps. Be changing those up to the hunt session wraps here before too long. Yeah, boy. When I build my next set of arrows. Got the uh, blazer veins, your typical two-inch blazer veins. Uh, I swear by them. I'm going with the, the uh, three-vein setup here. I did uh, build my own arrows this past year for the first time, so I went with a... Uh, three degree helical on my setup with my jig. So, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I think I got the Luminoc knocks, uh, great knock. Uh, if you're like me and forget to shut them off, then the battery goes dead and they're pretty much useless, but it's still a great knock. So that's my arrow setup. That's his, like he said in the beginning of the podcast episode, uh, we both were able to get on some pretty decent deer this year. Um, two totally different setups. And that's kind of why we're doing this video or uh and an audio episode is just to show you guys that there's not one way you know he has his his ways of doing things i have my ways of doing things and he's learned through his experiences and resources and people that have influenced his hunting same with me um clearly the way he describes his arrows and i describe mine are a lot different too because of the way we research these things you know i'm going off of i'm a big review guy you know i'm going to go off of what the community says about uh, different products and gear. And, uh, then beyond that, I'll start digging into the, uh, stats and numbers on them. But, uh, so far last year shooting this setup here, I was four for four and I had a couple not so great shots. So, uh, we can kind of jump back into what he has scheduled. I just want to kind of go with, uh, showing you the exact setups we were shooting just to show the differences and, uh, and they're pretty extreme, to be honest with you. He's got yeah, a very slim, bad. heavy front-end arrow. And I've got kind of a more balanced uh, mainstream setup, if you will. And uh, and it's pretty custom for me. I don't think anybody's shooting this exact setup. So, go ahead. But Yeah, so whenever you're making your or picking your arrows, the first thing you're going to look at is going to be your shaft. Okay, and there's a bunch of shafts to choose from. So, if you're just getting into it, don't get overwhelmed. You've got micro shafts of a couple different sizes from things like the rain that I'm shooting to the uh, Easton injections and all of those, all the way up to, if you can still find them, the old school aluminum ones, which is like shooting a stinking telephone pole. I think those you know? are mostly used in like competitive shooting at yeah, this point. Yeah, they, they use the bigger ones. See, yeah. when you're shooting competitive, you want that bigger arrow. So if you're kind of off, 
they count it by if the line is broke. Right. So you you get you a little bit. You can get a little closer yeah. when you're shooting. And there's not as shafts. many environmental factors that we deal with up. Yeah. You know exactly. In woods, so. so with your smaller shaft. You're getting less drag because there's less surface area. You're also going to get higher penetration because there's less drag going through the animal. And in the past, you were looking at smaller shafts were typically really weak spined because you could only fit so much material in there. But carbon has changed so much over the years that you can actually get these micro 0.166 inner diameter arrows at 250 spine, which is really stiff. You know, that's pushing it to the top of the stiffness chart, and that's what I'm shooting. Right. You know, so at this point, it's a matter of preference. What What do you feel comfortable with shooting? What do you like? Um, you're, as far as spining that goes, you're going to want to look into what your point weight is going to be and then what you're planning on doing to the back of the arrow because that's going to affect, you know, what, what's going on with your spine. I do want to jump right in here. Mm-hmm. And for, and we're kind of trying to make this series for everybody from very beginner, never really picked up a bow before. Or any or any hunting all the way to yeah. the the advanced, you know, somebody that maybe just want to change it up a little. And so for that, for the more beginners, and I still, so I've spent a lot of time in the woods, and so I, I feel like I have a good amount of experience for the in the short amount of physical time, as in years that I've been hunting, I've hunted a lot. So I've got, I feel pretty comfortable and confident in the skills that I've developed. But I still feel on the on the technical stuff, like what we're talking about today, kind of as a beginner. And so one thing I would suggest anybody do, especially here at the beginning, is go look at these websites. And whether if you're do- shopping that way or if you're in a bow shop or whatever, archery shop, go check out the specs. Because a lot of times you'll be able to rate it off of your bow speed, yeah. your uh, draw length. And then it's going to kind of give you an area what spine you, you should be shoot shooting. It. And that's where you want to start. And then you're going to get into like more technical where we'll Nico's see. going with it. And once you start adding these different components onto that shaft, you may need to adjust that a little bit. But if you're going to shoot a 100 grain broadhead and get a pre-fletched arrow with a standard knock, you're going to want to stay right in there. If you're going to start adding uh, yeah. so like FOP... What- FOC <laughs> front of center, which gonna... is you can't say that that is like taboo. <laughs> when you start throwing a lot of weight and heavy broadheads and that on the front of your arrow, it weakens your spine. So if you're like, let's say you're shooting a 350 spine, you throw a 250 grain head on there, you're going to be shooting kind of more like a 400 spine, right? Because when that bowstring's pushing against that arrow, inertia says that that broadhead wants to hold that arrow still. Right, because that's a lot more. It takes that much more force to get that. Exactly. So whenever that that broadhead doesn't want to move, and then you have your string pushing it, what happens is is that bows that arrow more than what it's rated for because they're all rated on the 100-grain broadhead on the front. Or actually, they're rated with just bending, you know, with nothing on the front. Right. But 100 grains isn't much. Right. When you start doubling or even tripling that load, you're weakening that spine. Yep. Cause this is, I mean, believe it or not, these are extremely technical pieces of equipment. I mean, yeah. these are down to the, you know, the grain and the, I mean, the, the specs on these things are so minute that, you know, you, you triple a, the weight of a broadhead and it's going to make a big difference. Oh yeah. You're going to slow down. You're going to get a crazy amount of penetration too. Um, and it's as much as you want to make of it. You know, you, you can go out and buy pre-fletched pre-cut arrows, put a broadhead on it, practice, 
Like, you don't want to just go out and willy-nilly fling arrows. But Time out. That's the number one thing I want to say right now. Yeah. Regardless of how advanced you want to get into your arrow building. It's all about the shooter. You've got to practice, guys. you got to get out there. you got to put boots on ground. you got to put arrows down range. I mean, that's what it is. Nico and I, the first time we actually spent time together as a team, and it's funny, we didn't even know we were a team yet, <laughs> is we went to a 3D range and we shot for about three hours on 30 targets. And that video is like right it's range day i think it's one of our first videos yep. so go check it out it's pretty sweet yeah and that video was actually filmed incidentally and yeah. not even really knowing what we were getting ourselves into so it's kind of funny how that came about but uh you know that's what last summer i think i practiced the most i've ever practiced since i started hunting and it and it showed i mean you fast forward to the season and i got the job done and i'm not sitting here bragging but i'm saying that just looking at it, what it is that practice when it when it paid off in especially November when I shot my buck man I was thrilled and I even I, I'm being hard on myself I it was a liver shot so I want to call it a bad shot but it could have been so much worse because I don't want to talk about this I'm kind of ashamed <laughs> of it but my 2018 season was terrible and I spent zero time outside before that practicing up until maybe a week before season I missed several deer I managed to actually get a deer with a firearm so I did get a little meat in the freezer, but as far as my bow goes, I knew whenever it came around to 2019 season, something had to change. And, uh, I know I'm kind of getting away from the conversation, but I think it's really important to have a takeaway. If you don't take anything else away from this, take away practice. People really get fixated on is what head are they going to use? I personally am a huge fan of fixed blades because they don't fail. Um, you don't have to worry about blades not opening. If you get a good solid head like Iron Will or even some muzzies have replaceable blades. Um, I know that like, uh, what are they called? Magnus Stingers. Super popular. Slick Tricks. Great heads. You can change the blades on them. Um, the Valkyrie system. Great heads. This one that I have here, I killed three out of my five deer with this year. Haven't had an issue with it. I'm going to resharp. I'm going to reuse them next year. Um, expandables are great. Big holes. That's a big thing, too. You know, you entry and your exit hole. And I think, just to jump in, I think that's sexy for a lot of hunters. It is. That big old blood trail. I mean, you see those big, you know, the rage in the cage type thing. Yeah. You're like, man, look at that freaking entry wound. Look at that exit wound. Yeah. I mean, and you put so, a two-inch hole in something, it's going to bleed. I just, you got to kind of do your homework, and uh, I'm not going to bash whether I'm not going to say whether one's better than the other, it's going to be everybody's personal preference. Shoot both, mm-hmm. you know, hunt with both, find out what you like better. Everybody's style is a little different. Everybody bow, everybody's bow setup is a little different. Um, I choose to go fix. You choose to go fix. That's fine. You you guys want to go uh, mechanical? That's great. Just make sure you explore and research and find out yeah. what works for you. Exactly. Um, but yeah, when you see those big giant holes that those mechanicals leave because nice. they end up being like a two and a half inch cut by the time it's all said and done. You're like, man, nothing's going to walk away from that. And 99% of the time, nothing's going to walk away. If some, if that hole's in an animal, it's not walking away from that. No. But, uh, yeah, you know, every one of them has their pros and cons. And I just wanted to jump in and share that. I think it's, I think it's our responsibility to be fair about it. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, each of their, like you said, each of their pros and cons. When you go with something like a fixed blade, you're going with a smaller diameter. Even if you have three or four blades on it, you're going to have a smaller initial hole. Um, so you're going to have a little bit smaller blood trails. The upside to that is 
is you're going to usually, nine out of ten times, you're going to have a lot better penetration. You're going to have more momentum retention once that arrow leaves the bow. So when the arrow actually hits the animal and starts to, it breaks the skin and enters, you're going to keep more of that momentum versus a broadhead when it hits. You lose some of that when those blades pop open because it takes a little bit of energy to open them. So you lose that as you're passing through the animal. Um, and that's just something you have to take into consideration whenever you're, you know, picking your broadhead is that, are you, what are you hunting? You know, if you're hunting bear, personally, I would shoot a mechanical over a fixed because bear have skin like a cat. You know, right. you pull like they have that scruff and yeah. it's kind of slinky. You shoot a bear, he takes off running, that skin's moving and covering in that hole. I want as big of a hole as I could put in there. Right. And bear don't leave blood trails. Right. So I want as big of a hole as I can put in that thing. I would, I would shoot a big expandable kill zone, rage, something like that. You go with something like an elk or a moose, thick hide, big bones. I want that super heavy uh, fixed blade. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for. I want that for. penetration. Yeah, it's all about it's all about that penetration. Um, <laughs> then you <laughs> then you have um, you also have two different styles of tips that you're gonna look at. You have cut on contact, which is what you're shooting. It's a blade on the tip. Yep. Which always has more penetration than what we call a trophy point or something. They all have their own names. Right. The trade-off is is that trophy point is usually more robust. It's it's not going to have uh, chipping or really bending per se, whereas a cut on contact dulls. Well, it's just like before we started, you were looking at my broadhead and you were like, did you already shoot this into something? Yeah. I mean, it's just a little thin. Uh, it's I mean, it's it's surgically sharp. I mean, it's sharp. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you don't want to just grab that thing with your bare hands. Whereas yours, just even looking at the two side by side, like yours is, I'm like, well, that thing, I know it's sharp, but it doesn't really look that aggressive. Whereas mine, I'm like, man, that thing's going to slice me open if I grab it. Yeah, exactly. That being said, it's extremely thin, especially on the edges. So, uh, and it's for a reason, you know, it's as soon as it touches something, it's going to go through it like a, like butter. And which that's great for soft targets. So when you've got a vital shot or something like a white tail or something, that's a little bit softer than... Uh, you know, a moose or an elk, that cut on contact is awesome. And if you avoid ribs, you avoid the shoulder, you're always going to have more penetration with that cut on contact. Where the bonus comes in for the Tonto tip or whatever you want to call it, they all have, like I said, they every brand has their own name. That point not being like reliant of cutting does really great with breaking bone and moving bone out of the way because it doesn't grab. Like if you cut with a knife, it grabs when it cuts, you right. know, that tip's not grabbing anything. It'll skirt a rib. It'll kind of get out of the way of a shoulder or it will go through that shoulder. Right. And then you're not losing that cutting tip. That's making your entrance through the rest of the animal. So that's something else you got to take into consideration too. You know, do you want to go with a cut on contact tip? Some are replaceable. I don't know about now, but the original rage, you unscrew them, toss it, put a new one on there. That was something that was really nice and I liked about them is you could change that cut on contact blade. Another thing is that a lot of the um, expandable blades are a little thinner. So you will get bending and stuff like that if you hit a rib and you do lose some momentum there. But again, you're having those huge holes. So it's a trade-off. You know, you just got to look into what you're wanting out of your setup, what you're hunting. And the industry is aware of this because I'm over the last decade, let's say, and I'm not sure exact amount of years, but... You, you'll start to see these hybrid broadheads come out. Yeah. Like uh, the example that comes to mind for me is the Rage hy- Hypodermic with the chisel tip. 
Yeah, that's what they call chisel tip. Right, because yeah. it's got trophy that tip. trophy tip. It's nice. It's stout. It's a it's a really hard steel. Mm-hmm. Not going to dull on him on an animal. But then, in, when you buy a pack of three, you're going to get your three broadheads with the chisel tip, the the hypodermically, literally surgical, yeah, sharpened blades, and then you're going to get some replacement blades. Yeah, because that the what you just said combined all that together, mm-hmm. they want you to have what you're saying, be able to break some bone. And then at the same time, here, go ahead and replace these blades because they're probably not going to last through that. Yeah. And that's where, um, that is one pro of the Valkyrie system that I'm shooting is we can hopefully insert the clip here. But I had a 55-yard shot on a doe. And because of the angle, I had to shoot kind of frontal. And it hits front shoulder, but it breaks two ribs and like cuts the offside shoulder on the way out on the back. And I mean, she drops like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. But again, not a real big hole. Right. You know, next thing, uh, a lot of people don't really pay a whole lot of attention to, which I mean, they are now that archery is becoming more and more prevalent, but is your fletchings. Yep. That's real important. Um, really it's for steering your arrow, keeping it from, uh, catching too much wind. And, one bonus to having like a heavier front of center, like your tip being heavier, is that you don't have to have as much fletching on the back because instead of the arrow itself being the whole mass that's moving, that tip is pulling, like it's pulling the uh, arrow. So really you're just using those fletchings as a rudder. You don't need them for correcting. Right. And and not only for the rudder, but depending on how you have your setup set up like me, I chose to go with a pretty heavy helical because I want a lot more spin. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, I'm, I'm no scientist. I'm no arrow expert, but I know that things, when they spiral, they tend to be in yeah, it stabilizes, stabilizes, it stabilizes them. And they tend to be like laser, like for lack of a better word. I mean, you look at, um, I'm going to go way off of kilter here, a football. They don't throw a football without a spiral. For a reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Because well, when it's got, got that spiral, it, it's aerodynamically going to move in an exit straight line at its furthest with its most velocity at its furthest point. And the same goes with an arrow. Um, and there are exceptions. You know, there are different reasons to not have such a heavy helical, but you're going to have a reason. It's just not going to be like, well, I like mine three degrees. I like mine uh, none. Yeah. There's like if you're shooting indoors, I'm doing as low profile or as big profile as I can shoot if I'm indoors, no cross breeze. I'm shooting big ones and I'm shooting long and because there's no, there's no crosswind right. drag doesn't matter. Cause I mean, I can just uh, targets not moving, right? You know, speed is irrelevant. So I'm going to get the most steering, the most stability in that out of that type of setup. Now when I'm hunting, I'm shooting four, very short, very small fletchings. They're quiet. They're small. So they're quiet. I have a heavy tip, so I don't need a whole lot of steering and four fletchings is just cool. So, like... You gotta stay cool. Yeah, it's gotta look cool or you ain't shooting it. It's not just something that holds your arrow onto your bow. It's also what is going to release your arrow from your bow. So, if your knock is too has too stiff a hold on your string, you can actually get a little bit of a wobble when that arrow first comes off. And you have to leave that up to your fletchings to overcorrect for that wobble coming off the bow. Um, but then you don't have, obviously you don't want your knock so loose that when you're pulling it back it falls off the stinking string. Right. And when you start adding things like lighted knocks, 
you got to look at that's adding weight to the back of your arrow. So that's actually going to stiffen your spine. So if you're shooting a heavy, um, you know, a heavy broadhead, you might be able to throw a lighted knocker and a wrap on there, add a couple grains to the back and actually bring your spine back into it. But that's something we could talk about in a later podcast. If you guys are interested, we could go into depth about this. This is just kind of a general overlay on on our setups and what we think and stuff like that. Um, but I would definitely, if you have the ability to, shoot a lighted knock because it's awesome seeing that laser beam just Especially if you're doing any type of filming, you know. Oh, yeah. Be able to go back and see exactly where that arrow hit. Because a lot of times in low light situations, you got arrows you really just can't see. And you might you might see impact just based on uh, the animal. But it's really nice to be able to go say, oh, man, you know, I was a little low or I was right on the money because you can see that light and knock pass through. Um, one more thing. You jumped on Facebook. Yeah. So I put out that we're starting our little podcast and I wanted to get some people, you know, interacted with it and that. And I said that anybody who could come up with a pretty decent question just to ask us, um, we're going to give away a hat. So Cody Thompson, Tom Thomas, Cody Thomas. Let's see where he said he's from. He lives in Alaska. So congratulations, Cody, you get a hat. If you're watching this, go ahead and shoot us another message or, um, I'll try to get a hold of you here pretty soon and we will get together and I'll get you that hat. But here's his question. He says, I'm not sure if your focus is on whitetail or what, but I live in Alaska and I'm always wondering what's the best for big boned animals. I've shot moose, caribou, black and grizzly bear with his bow. He draws 80 pounds cause he's a beast. Um, yeah, that's what he'd like to hear us discuss is knowledge other than him where is the line where your arrow gets too heavy and you lose energy? He's shooting a stiff arrow with a 124 grain four blade. He's never weighed it, but he shot through a chronograph at 278 and wanted to know if he could lighten it up and gain more energy with speed or shoot a heavier arrow like an FMJ, full metal jacket. Those are uh, Easton's aluminum carbon mixed arrows and get better penetration even though it's slower. The only time... I've seen a pass through was when I hit the shoulder or the only time I haven't seen a pass through. Sorry. Is when I hit the shoulder on the other side of a caribou, the broadhead poked through the bone, which was impressive. Great question. Lots of information. Yeah. So really until you start reaching a thousand grains and there's a great, I'm going to push this off to another guy too, but there is a DIY hunter on YouTube and he actually did a full graph on this. And when you're shooting 70 pounds, until you hit about 1,200 grains, you don't lose kinetic energy. You continue to gain kinetic energy over uh, feet per second on your arrow. Then it kind of plateaus off for about another 250 grains, and then it's a sharp drop. So I would definitely like check his video out. But you have plenty of room. And we will put a link to that in the description. Yeah, we'll, we'll find it and put a link in there, but... Man, you have plenty of room to bump that arrow weight up. If you're shooting a 125, I'd go, I'd go with a little bit lighter, stiffer arrow. Personally, if you're wanting penetration and you're not worried about putting a huge hole, I'd go with an arrow that's probably somewhere between 9 and 9.5 grains per inch, depending on your draw. I'm just going to assume you have like a standard 28, 29 inch draw. 
we're going to look at about nine to nine and a half grains per inch. I would put 250 grains up front and then that's going to, you know, have in consideration for your lighted knock and a wrap. That's going to put you at just over 20% FOC. Um, debatable on who likes that, who doesn't. I understand that. But for, for uh, penetration, that type of setup is going to be amazing. Out to 50 yards, 60 yards, you shouldn't have any problem penetrating both shoulder blades with that setup, assuming you go with a good stout blade. Um, I would recommend looking at Iron Will. I, of course, like Valkyrie. Um, Day 6 Gear has some really good fixed blades, and so does... Um, shoot. There's another one. I can't think of it right now. I'm sorry. I will put it in the description, but it is a two-blade bevel, or single bevel, no bleeders, and they have really, really good reviews for breaking bones. And um, if, if you were going to go that route, that's... If you're looking at, you know, gaining more penetration, that's about the best way. If you're going to want to gain more speed to get penetration, you're going to have to go wicked fast, man. Um, and I mean, 75 grain head, you're, you're just, in order to get that arrow to carry the momentum for the penetration that you're wanting, you're going to need to stack up the weight. Because I'm, I know it's a little bit technical here, but the more mass you have, the more capability that arrow has of retaining the energy from the bow. If it's so light, there's only so much matter in that, so it can only contain so much energy. So you bump that weight up, and you can uh, you can keep more of the energy from the bow. Hope that answers your question. There was one thing I would like to add to it. There's one thing you were a little uncertain of involving your arrow weight, and that was the uh, overall weight. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna kind of go ahead with this experiment of seeing how far out you can push this. Grab you a little scale uh, that's made for arrows, set one on there, see where your starting point is, where you're at now, and then build off of that. That way you kind of know exactly where you're at now. Um, and that's just my input. He's he's the guy that's really kind of answering your question. I'm just giving a little piece of advice. I hope we uh, helped you out on this. Um, we look forward to seeing how it goes if you decide to make some changes along the way. Yeah, and like just for instance, I'm shooting, like I said, it's just over – just about 550 and I'm shooting 275 feet per second. So I'm right about where you're at and I'm having full pass-throughs on whitetail through bone and every not stopping through anything. I actually had an instance where I shot a doe first time I was hunting out of a blind, believe it or not, first time. And I didn't take, I drew back. I didn't take into consideration the fact that my arrow sits lower than my sight does. And I shot through the blind. <laughs> So like the arrow, actually the bow had to push the arrow through the blind before it even left the arrow. Or the bow. But before it left the bow, still had full penetration on a on a doe at like 30 yards. Nice. Yeah. Well, guys, that's pretty much going to wrap it up for us uh, on this episode. Um, if you guys got any questions, you guys got something you'd like to see us cover, uh, Nico's going to have different guests on. I'm going to have different guests on. Um, possibly Drew, possibly Aaron. We're just going to kind of see where it goes. Um, you're going to see just an assortment of all kinds of things from, uh, I just laid down a spring Turkey episode with the guy yesterday. Uh, we're doing this today. We're just going to kind of try to keep this rolling, roll it through the summer, uh, get ready for this upcoming deer season. Cause I think that's where most of our passion is. We are going to try to chase a little spring Turkey here in the next couple weeks and, uh, see what we can come up with video wise, but 
Uh, we really appreciate you guys watching our videos um, and listening to the podcast. Um, like these things are going to be all over YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, you name it. You'll probably be able to find it there. So uh, give us a follow, give us a like, uh, ask questions. We love engaging with you guys. This is why we do this. You know, we're not making any money off of this. This is just what we love to do and uh, bring content. And it kind of fuels our fire for, for the outdoors. Um, you got anything? No, if you guys haven't yet, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Like this video so that we know that you are out there and hit the bell. Because that tells YouTube that you guys actually care what we have to say. And it'll start bringing that up in the recommendeds for other people that are like-minded. That'll really help us out a lot. Yep. So uh, if he doesn't have anything else, I think that wraps it up. Thanks for uh, joining us. Right on.